Hello, my friends. Today we're talking to Rajan, the CTO at Deserve, and we discuss the advantages of having a modern cloud-based infrastructure for credit cards, innovative credit card rewards programs enabled by Deserve's technology, and how cryptocurrencies are set to completely change the way the financial system works. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. I first got to do a, use a computer in my ninth grade. That's that's very early. I I I got introduced by somebody that uh, there's a language called BASIC, and you know you could use that to. And this was before even you had uh, 386, and you know, so I started computers for in a very early time, and I got hooked onto programming. And my college was still in. I did computer engineering at that time. Computer engineering wasn't that prevalent, but I did a lot of programming during my days and uh, uh, got a job as a software engineer. And within six months, me and other friend decided to start our own company. And we grew it uh, for a while. This was in 96, 97, 98 time period before the dot-com boom. Uh, grew it pretty rapidly and then... Uh, uh, after the dot-com boom, again, went back to working in startups. I've worked in a series of startups. Uh, uh, some of them didn't go very far. Some of them made uh, really good exits. Uh, uh, the good ones, uh, the ones who made it would, was Vonage. When I was at Vonage, a voiceover IP company when it was private. Um, I was with Apigee, which is now part of Google Cloud. Uh, when it was a private company, and uh, and I tried uh, different different kinds of startups, and now here I'm at uh, Deserve. It's a it's a fintech company. This is the first time uh, being in fintech. It's an amazing learning experience. Uh, what we built in the last three years is really making an impact in the industry, and that's that's my journey. That's really cool. What has been mm-hmm. uh, like? a major challenge of switching over to the fintech industry for the first time? If I look at it, I actually think about it as it's given me a lot more advantage by not being in the fintech industry because uh, the the fintech industry has, has lagged the general software industry. Where on the consumer side, if you think about it, consumer side technology is a lot more rapid adoption. So I've worked on many consumer startups where cloud, mobile, everything is like, you know, that's that's like your baseline. You need to you need to have these tools for you to effectively build software. In fintech, it's still uh, uh, the, the big players are still in legacy software and like, you know, uh, they can't move as fast. So which basically means the from a sheer execution, the background I have uh, before coming to fintech help me execute. So it's more of understanding the domain. And uh, the thing about software is uh, you can always pick up domains. Like, you know, Elon Musk didn't come from a car company, nor fintech startups, which are doing really well, didn't come from bankers. Yeah. So that's, so domain is something which you always try to understand and then apply what you know and try to like, you know, many, many times uh, the industry People sometimes forget that 
certain rules and regulations or the way you're doing stuff is based on either technology limitations or nobody asked why we need to do it this way. Right. So how did you meet the team at Deserve and become CTO there? Uh, the It's interesting. Uh, the, the founder CEO, Kalpesh Kapadia, he started Deserve. And uh, when he started Deserve, I his daughter and my daughter, we they they go to school together and like you know so we were kindergarten parents and that's how we got to know each other and uh he was trying to bootstrap and bring this up he pitched it to me uh at that time it was too early i i connected with him with some of my friends but we always stayed in touch and you know deserve grew uh deserve was a direct consumer credit card they got funding and then uh Again, he uh, we we spoke, and then and you know what? It's probably a good time for me to join, and uh, that's that's how I joined to serve. That's awesome. Yeah, you never know where you're going to meet your future business partner, employer. Always gotta always gotta be on the lookout for expanding your network for sure. So, can you give me a brief overview of what Deserve does? Yeah. So, Deserve is a modern credit card platform. And uh, before explaining what modern credit card platform means, uh, I would, let's say you want to do a credit card. And I say, when I say you, I'm talking about a company wants to do a credit card. Okay. Usually you have to go to Chase or Capital One or there are companies like First Data, Synchrony. So United Airlines, when it has to do a credit card, they went to Chase. Similarly, uh, JetBlue went to Barclays. Macy's went to Synchrony, you know? These are the companies who have the platform to build you a credit card. And then there are companies like First Data who will provide you the technology and you can build on top of it. Now, all of these companies, uh, their software, their stack is still in a legacy infrastructure. And that's one of the reasons, if you think about it, every industry has changed drastically in the last, let's say, the 20 years, or at least the last 10 years, credit card is still pretty much the same from a consumer point of view. Apple card is definitely making a difference there. But apart from Apple card, everything is the same. So that's that's basically where we come into play. We built a, a modern infrastructure entirely in the cloud. It's, it's digital first. So, And then one important insight in which we built our platform is we believe customers are always using their smartphone. So our platform is built with a smartphone in mind to be best in mobile. That's why, and of course, then everything else, because we are in the cloud, we can move data much faster. It's it's rapid development and all these things come into play. And there's a bunch of feature capabilities which we are bringing to market, which nobody else has. That's really cool. So is your main client base like large companies that are trying to launch their own white-labeled card, or do you also do direct to consumer like could i go out and get a deserve card or what what's uh, what's the business model uh, a very good question so uh, we are primarily a platform company which means the the customer base for us is they could be banks who want to issue a card or there could be other brands who want to issue a card uh, for example if you are in the crypto space, you would have heard of BlockFi. Yeah. BlockFi, exactly. BlockFi recently launched a credit card. And 
they are in our platform. Oh, really? Similarly, cool. Yeah, their credit card is totally powered by us, and uh, and that can be any just like Macy's and Starbucks and all these things are brands. There are a lot of newer brands who who are engaging with us, and they would launch credit cards. And I could tell you, um, and because we are all API and uh, 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 we give you a toolkit, you can have a very seamless embedded experience. Uh, for example, let's say you get a credit in the older days. When I say older days, I'm talking about traditional brands as in you can get a credit card from a Disney branded credit card mm-hmm. or a Southwest credit card or a United credit card or a Starbucks credit card. End of the day, even though you will go to Disney and sign up for a card, you will end up in a Chase app. So it's kind of like a broken experience. Now with us, if you are getting a BlockFi credit card, we are behind the scenes. It's seamlessly embedded. You are managing it within BlockFi. And similarly, we are working with a lot more interesting partners who are going to soon launch credit cards, which you'll be seeing in the market, where it's, it's, a, it's a great customer experience. We are behind the scenes. Now, the second question you had is, is there a deserved credit card? Yes, there is a deserved credit card. Uh, the deserved credit card is more like our reference implementation to show the world what is possible in our platform. So think about it as Google has a Pixel phone where they keep on innovating to show that you know what is possible in Android, but they are making Android as a platform for every phone manufacturer to go ahead and build great phones. That makes sense. That's a really good analogy. So what are some of the tools or perks that are enabled by being a modern credit card rather than some of the legacy cards out there? Okay, uh, very good question. So now, if you think there are, let's say from a customer point of view, so usually in the credit card, you have to apply for a credit card, right? Uh, We make the entire application process such a way that you can apply, get approved, get a digital card, when a plastic card is in the mail, you'll immediately will issue a digital card, which you can add it to your wallet and Apple Pay or a Google Pay and start spending. All of this you can do in less than five minutes. Wow. Okay. So it's not uh, traditionally you apply for a card and you wait for like a few days to get it in the mail. Okay. That's just from a uh, overall customer experience. And then the fact that we underwrite a loan and traditionally Underwriting alone is usually on FICO and your credit scores, credit score and credit report. There are a lot of younger people who do not have, who do not actually use credit, who do not have established credit scores. So we also do cash flow based underwriting, which means we look at your bank balance, we look at your deposits going in and out, and then we, we make a decision based on whether we can give you a loan. So everything in this happens real time. And uh, and we significantly reduce fraud, even though it's real time and even though we immediately give you a card, because mobile is our primary way of doing business, we'll ask you to upload your driver's license and do a selfie. And immediately our software will match and say, yes, this is Adam. And it's not somebody else who's masquerading as Adam. So I can give you a card and you can go about doing whatever you want to do. That's really smart. I mean, I think it totally makes sense that just having higher tech is going to make it more secure. Like, I feel like there might be a propensity for some people to 
think like, oh, it's happening so fast. How is this secure? But I don't know. It makes sense in my mind that like the faster it's working, I guess the more I trust that the holistic technology behind it, including security is, is there because I mean, you have to have really smart people to make something that works seamlessly like that. And smart people are going to make it secure. Exactly. And, and this is where uh, the iPhone and Android, both these systems, they are the platforms which is making it secure for consumers. In a, in a way, in the early days of iPhones, iPhones was the primary devices uh, which will get stolen. You have an iPhone, like if you're in, if you're in the subway, somebody might like steal it and then, then you will know it was, it's getting sold in Russia, you know? Apple went ahead and did this whole, uh, they started off having this uh, overall um, iCloud and uh, locking your device that they started Touch ID, now they have Face ID. Now, if somebody steals your iPhone, they can't get into it, they can't wipe it, they can't do anything with it. So it's practically a brick for somebody who steals your phone, right? So they've, they've taken out of the equation, a professional thief does not plan to th- steal an iPhone. It's not worth the effort. Right. Right. So they've, they've kind of made all the technology and made it seamless for the consumer to still be easy to use, but you don't have to be worried about your data stolen. That's really cool. So one thing that I'm thinking about when you're partnering with a brand to help them launch a card, if they have way higher adoption than they anticipate or they start scaling really rapidly. Do you have systems in place to scale with them to make sure you can support that? Yes. So we are built in the cloud. Okay. One of the uh, big difference between software built in the data center world and data center in the cloud, you could, you could, you could make scaling, you could program how to scale your software. In the data center world, you need to add additional compute. You need to bring an additional server. You need to bring additional ser- uh, storage and something fails. You need to build redundancy. And many of them is uh, pseudo manual. And you know, you can't just automate the whole thing. Now, uh, the in cloud, cloud went through many evolution of cloud software. The, the modern evolution of cloud software is infrastructure as code which means your entire infrastructure is something which you program. And according to your needs, they have to scale. So yes, doesn't mean that it is not complex. You don't need, you, you need amazingly good engineers, but it's not a problem as big as it used to be. It's a solvable problem. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things which I, uh, apart from approving you, getting you a card, once you get the card, we make it a lot more easier for you to manage your credit card. Uh, For example, anytime you make a transaction, if you are are typically credit card statements are hard to read. So for us, if you go to Starbucks, it will say Starbucks. It won't have Starbucks, something cryptic and like, you know, the amount. It will have the brand logo. It's if you go to a gas station, 76 gas station or Valero, it would it will give you the actual address of where you went. So all the information which we present to you is again having mobile in mind, wherein we want to give you the information the way you like to consume rather than, hey, this is the credit card, 
world, you need to adapt yourself to understand how we talk about things. That sounds awesome. Yeah, because my current credit card, which will remain unnamed, um, <laughs> sometimes I'm looking through my uh, recent activity, trying to just you know detect any fraud myself, and I have no idea what some of the transactions are, even if I made them, just because they're listed in a way that doesn't relate at all to what I bought with with the card that day or what that transaction was. And I have yeah, just not really any way of verifying that I was the one that made that purchase just because I can't remember. Exactly. So that's that's really cool. That's an awesome feature to to hear about. Um I'm considering me interested. <laughs> so I I pulled up a couple of um the uh, companies that you have cards with, since you mentioned BlockFi, I was just interested. Um, I see you also have this uh, a card with Notre Dame University and Seneca Women. Can you tell me about that one? Yeah, absolutely. Seneca Women is a soon-to-be-launched credit card. It's not, it's it's in private beta right now. So Seneca empowers women. So. Uh, they have made a rewards plan where you shop in women-owned business, you get additional rewards. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, since it's in our digital-first platform, uh, we we have made them our app and everything where you can apply, get approved, immediately get the card, and you know you can go and, and we will recognize it's a women-owned business and give you additional rewards. Now, BlockFi... On the other hand, is your rewards get converted to crypto. So oh, really cool. Yes. So uh, just like um, a United card, as you spend, converts to United miles, which you can use for flying with United. BlockFi card, your, instead of giving you a cashback, the rewards which you earn, they get converted to Bitcoin. So this is a great way of you passively accruing Bitcoin. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. So uh, within the very first month, uh, the numbers which we see on the BlockFi card are, are amazing. There is, there is, a, uh, there is a, a real hunger for a product like BlockFi. And uh, we, we, uh, we see both the approval numbers and you know the number of people interested in the card the amount of spend in the card because they get Bitcoin as rewards has made it very interesting. Yeah. So when you're spending with the BlockFi card, are you spending from your crypto wallet or in dollars or whatever local currency? Um, your the card is just like your regular card. Okay. Cool. You're not you're not spending from your crypto wallet. Um, you so just like you have Adam, you have your current credit card. It's the same. You are spending in dollars. You get approved based on your overall credit, and like you know, uh, we do some additional things for BlockFi customers. That's, uh, uh, but in a in a higher level, it's still the same. And you spend and you pay back your credit card in dollars. Okay, it's the rewards which because in the crypto space, people don't want to spend their Bitcoin. Yeah, they want to earn Bitcoin but not spend it now. Uh, we do some additional things for BlockFi customers, wherein if it's a BlockFi customer who, uh, these are works in the way, if you have enough crypto holdings, 
and let's say your credit history is not that good, we might still give you a credit card. And uh, uh, pretty soon, uh, we are going to allow BlockFi customers to make payments through stable coins, uh, which will be a huge value for them. Uh, so, so if you should think about um, when you make payments to your credit card, it takes like five days for it to clear. Right. Yeah. There is a payment hold and everything. Uh, the reason for that is all of this happens on the ACH, and ACH clearance is anywhere between three to five days. So, if you make a payment, and I'm your credit card company, and you make a payment, for me to get the funds, it can take anywhere from three to five days. And you also have a window where you can reverse the transaction. So which means you pay $2,000 to pay off your bill, and I can't give you back the $2,000 till this whole money is cleared. Otherwise, I'm taking a risk. With, uh, with stable coins, it's instant up. So if you make a payment and immediately the, the balance will get clear. Yeah. So would it just be like a specific stablecoin like USDC or would you partner with someone like the Stellar Network or um, just take stablecoins in general? Uh, so uh, we, are, we are building the infrastructure such a way BlockFi customers can decide oh, because cool. we, convert, yeah, we convert the stablecoins and immediately to real dollars. So, so that our balance sheet doesn't carry stable coins, but we have dollars and we allow you to re release the fund, release your balance. That's awesome. So, I want to take a, a little bit of a more higher level look at the whole fintech industry. What are some major trends you've been seeing in the past year or so? We look at fintech industry as one as mobile as a huge disruptor mobile and everything digital and real time. That's one angle in which you need to play the industry. Look at every product through that lens. The second thing is movement of money right now in the US is predominantly in ACH and wire. And both work only during banking hours. They, they have one can take one to three days, one can take, as you've said, three to five days. Now, Moving money is not programmable and it's not 24-7 in real time. So that change will happen with stable coins and also the U.S. government would launch its own CBDC, uh, you know, central bank digital currency. So that's going to significantly change the way financial products are built because money is programmable now. That's crazy. Yes. And third, between two things, between these two, the entire financial stack has to get redone because every layer which we assumed has to be built was built because there was a batch process which happens end of a day. There is a process of T plus three, I need to hold funds. You know, there were so many intermediaries which had to make things moving and they all will get realigned and many of those layers will, get dis will disappear. So that's, that's why for us, the next 10 to 15 years in this space is going to be really, really interesting. Yeah, that, that sounds amazing and really, really positive for all the people that are trying to move money around. But the place where my head is going is that 
do you anticipate there being like a lot of pushback from people trying to hold on to the old system because cutting out the middleman is great for everyone except the middleman. And I feel like right now, especially because they're in the financial industry, the middleman has a lot of power to try and, you know, hold on to the old way of doing things. Oh, yeah. I, uh, yes, it, usually it's always the case until something comes through. If it's just a small variation, the middleman will still keep on surviving. Suddenly a technology break will be so profound that it would not even make sense to go through the middleman. Right. And, and uh, so that's where you got to keep on pushing the boundary. And that would be a break. That would be a break in the way consumers behave. That would be a, a product fit, which fits the market such a way it's a forcing change. For sure. Yeah. So in this case, that huge catalyst could be like the U.S. releasing their digital currency, right? Yes. Uh, US, uh, U.S. will release a digital currency. And uh, the, the, the good thing about the U.S. releasing a digital currency is the stablecoin industry is growing very rapidly. And it's programmable. It works 24-7. Now, because stablecoin industry is not regulated by the government, the government will look at, they will learn from the stablecoin industry. They will take the programming aspect of it, moving money aspect of it, and launch the digital currency. And that would be competition. People would able to pick and choose, which or they will support multiple payment rails. That seems like a big challenge for the the US government, I think, to try and create a coin that people are going to be as willing to adopt as like a USD coin that already exists that isn't necessarily tied to the government because I don't know, that's not always viewed as a positive thing by the masses, you know, to have um to have your your cryptos tied to a government. That's kind of I feel like that's a little bit contradictory in especially in the crypto community. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. It would. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. So the way we look at it is, uh, we don't know who's going to win, who's going to be a major player. What we think is money is going to. We just have to think that money is going to become real time and programmable. Right. And you start working with every layer which allows you to do that. That makes sense. Yeah. I guess whoever's going to win is going to be the one that just makes it the easiest and most seamless way to program money. Yes. Man, that's crazy. Well, so how do you keep up with, with industry news? How, how do you stay on top of all of this? Great. Um, so before coming to FinTech, I was crypto was my passion. Yes, even though I was in other technology, I was always involved with the crypto community uh, from reasonably early on. And I was, um, uh, so that's, one angle which allows me to look at, so I understood the crypto ecosystem before I came into the traditional banking and uh, uh, financial system. So that's one aspect of it. Now that we are here, we see so many new patterns. We see, we talk to customers who tell us their pain points, what they look for. Not only we talk to traditional banks, we also talk to startup-led fintechs who want to get into the credit card space and they are enterprising they have new ideas which you know sometimes uh which we might not even have thought of 
So now it's slowly becoming like you don't really have to do any effort. It's like there are so much of inbound uh, information which is coming to you, um, including companies who want to pitch and be part of our stack. So I think it's uh, and it's it's part of your overall job to know what's happening. For sure. Yeah, especially when you're dictating like the higher level strategy of a company from the C-suite. So I, I actually want to ask you a couple like leadership questions as you are steering the business. Uh, so first, some context, how many people are at Deserve right now? Uh, Deserve right now, we are at close to 200, of which uh, 70 would be engineering and product. Wow. Yeah, that's a pretty high ratio there. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So how would you describe your personal approach to leadership at Deserve? Um, so I think uh, in many ways, uh, it's overall being clear where we are going as a company, uh, the the North Star of how we are building out our product and our platform, that higher level, we get clarity across the organization, across all teams, and give enough freedom between the teams and the like, you know, the, across the entire uh, structure of our organization to work out the details and make it happen. So that's uh, so. If you start concentrating on the details on the higher level, then you start micromanaging and like you know, people people don't understand the bigger vision. And that's uh, that's always has been the guidance in which how teams and you know how organization needs to be built. Yeah. So. I imagine when you're working with lots of different brands, you have teams that are working on specific features for different cards, right? And these these teams probably are learning like pretty specific things from their experiences with each brand. How do you encourage your teams to communicate and share their learning so that the whole company can grow as, as a result of each client interaction? Very good question, Adam. So, and this is uh, this is actually complex for um, every enterprise company because on one hand, you're building a platform which has to get reused and the learnings of what you understand in each customer implementation or customer needs, you want to make it available to multiple people. This way you make your software more efficient. You also get economies of scale and make the product better. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the teams have to, how do you set up your team so that this happens and still your customer gets the best? So uh, we have organized our product and engineering teams across functional areas, not tied to an actual customer. So for example, there would be a team for rewards. There would be a team for payments. There would be a team for underwriting. Okay, and they would start looking at all the customer requirements and make it incorporated to our platform so that if if end result BlockFi might have a, a crypto rewards or somebody else would have a traditional um, uh, statement credit rewards or we are talking to somebody who's trying to bring in fitness data wherein we give you additional boost if you if you work out 30 minutes at least 10 days a week then sorry 10 days a month so as a, as a product manager in the rewards team, I'm looking at the rewards infrastructure as something which has to cater to all these different different needs. I built the software such a way it can be 
configured to handle these scenarios rather than make one off for each customer wherein it, it doesn't have the quality and the uh, unnecessary structure for it to success to succeed. Man, that's really cool hearing you mention all the different types of reward infrastructures that are possible. Like, I mean, obviously with BlockFi giving crypto, that's super cool because you're investing with your rewards to an extent. And then, man, I, I hadn't even thought of the prospect of having a rewards based on like motivating you to stay healthy. That's really cool. You can yeah. really provide some awesome financial incentives for like whatever community wants to launch a card. Exactly. So that's that's where uh, we tell our partners, we call them partners, um, think about a rewards model which fits your audience. Don't worry about like, you know, what's possible, what's not possible in our platform. Any data points and anything we could stitch together and have a model. For sure. So I want to ask a little bit about um, like your personal approach to your career. So how do you structure long-term goals for yourself? Do you plan in like quarters, weeks, or months, or years? Until I was later in my career, I didn't think I really planned much. It was more of, I was interested in technology and, you know, anything new came, you start understanding and then start working on it. That's how, that's how it progressed. Now, as you become more, would say in the valley for a longer time and everything you start thinking of how do you how do you approach this in a structural way and uh, this is going back to some of the things which i told you earlier is uh, the way software is going it's becoming building software is the speciality the domain is not the speciality so you apply uh, software principles and software principles are also continuously changing. So it's like if you if you if you are somebody who plays tennis, the tennis when you are playing with a wooden racket, you have to have these big swings. And you know if you are from the baseline, you can never hit a winner. And you need to have this full motion to get a a little a certain amount of power. Now with modern ten tennis, you can just flick your wrist and get the same amount of power. So now your game is entirely changed. So software also, the stack changes so rapidly that whatever you thought as best practices is out of the window and you need to think of, you know, with a new stack, it's a new set of best practices. So if you keep on understanding what are the software tools available, what is possible, then you can go and apply it into whichever domain it is good to solve. And that's why uh, if you think about it, uh, self-driving car was never a possibility before. Then the software tooling, in, including the ability to move data at speed and able to crunch it and able to do machine learning became a possibility. Then self-driving car becomes a possibility, right? Similarly, uh, we, uh, face ID. Face ID wasn't possible till you have the sensors in place. And uh, Apple has a, a hardware chip which allows you to uh, protect your ID. So, so as the technology evolves, there are different, different use cases in which you can solve. So uh, as somebody in the space, my whole goal is to make sure every new technology trends and what's possible, you're always on top of it. You understand what is possible with it. 
That makes sense. It's it's hard to plan ahead when you're in an area that's moving so fast. So the best way to stay on pace is just to keep up with your passion as long as tech is what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, uh, do we have anything else we want to get out there before we wrap up? Uh, like anything specific you want to plug for deserve? Are you guys hiring? What, what do you, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, I deserve. We are, we are growing very rapidly, pretty much have uh, openings in all areas in our company. And uh, uh, we, we are also getting a lot of inbound requests for partners and uh, uh, the business is booming. It's uh, uh, we get we get a we get a ton of interest, and uh, overall, I think the overall fintech space, not just for us, for uh, different companies in different areas of the fintech space, things are growing pretty rapidly. It's a it's a good time to be in this space. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.